Welcome to the Royal Christian Centre Sermon Podcast. It's time of the year, thinking about saints who have gone before us. And then you come then, don't you, to November the 5th today, and uh, bonfire night tonight, yeah? Guy Fawkes, all of that jazz. And tonight we're going to gather for a great evening, we're going to have supper together, we're going to have some fun together, great music, we're going to hear about Jesus together, and then we're going to go and make things explode in the night. And God be praised. And uh, it will be fantastic, a lot of fun. Invite someone to come along with you and see things explode, and it'll be really good. But Bonfire Night, Guy Fawkes, you remember the rhyme, remember, remember the 5th of November gunpowder, treason, and plot. All of that? Or did you learn it, remember, remember the 5th of November, I held a banger in my hand, has anyone seen my finger? Yeah? Is that what you learn in school? I'm sure the teachers probably taught that, just said, don't do it! You need your fingers. Um, If you don't remember anything else this morning, you need your fingers. Ah, It's very important. Remembering. And then, of course, we move on, and next Sunday, Remembrance Sunday, and uh, we will be remembering those who have given their lives or have served in hundreds, thousands of ways through incredibly troubling and trying circumstances. Many who have given lots and even all um, in the cause of freedom and democracy, the strong on behalf of the weak, which is the way it should be. If you're strong, give yourself on behalf of the weak. It's a time of remembrance. All of these things, they get us to kind of look backwards, don't they? And... Uh, Looking backwards is something that many people, we like to do, probably all of us. Nostalgia, yeah? It's tempting, isn't it? Does anyone ever get nostalgic? Especially around this time of the year. The nights draw in, yeah? Nostalgia, of course, is best viewed through rose-tinted spectacles, isn't it? Where everything in the past was wonderful. Do you remember those days? If you just go back far enough, you kind of have to go back all the way to Eden, I think, don't you? Paradise, but... Nostalgia, very tempting. But we are going to resist manfully, womanfully. We're going to resist strongly the urge to look backwards. And we're going to look forwards. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to consider what it is to understand how God speaks the future and speaks into the future, both in the Bible, in the Old Testament particularly, but also today, today, today. Because God wants to speak into your today and into your tomorrow. Do you know that by becoming a Christian, God has dealt with your past? Did you know that? Did you know that? The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And he does what? He forgives us our sins. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, do you think when God forgives and cleanses, he does a good job? Yeah? I think he does. God has attended to our wrongdoing. He has cleansed us from the way of wrongdoing. And he leads us into today and into tomorrow. And God invites us to look ahead, to look ahead, to look ahead. What would it be like if you knew the future? Think for a minute. What would it be like if you knew the future? Would that be exciting? Oh, you grumpy bunch. Would it be exciting to know what was going to happen in the future? You've seen too many movies about this, haven't you? It always goes wrong, doesn't it? 
and see into the future. And you're thinking, ah, would, what about the lottery numbers? If I knew the lottery, I don't know. There's all sorts of temptation in knowing the future, isn't there? See in the future, know in the future. How would that affect our lives? How would that change our perspective? What would be the value of such a gift, of such a power? It's kind of like a superpower, isn't it? We all know, of course, that with great power comes great responsibility. We know this, don't we? We've seen Spider-Man. We know these things. But how about the idea that with great power comes great mischief or great corruption? Or the idea that by having the opportunity or the ability, we might not become focused on doing good, but on ourselves. We're going to consider together the idea of prophecy, the speaking of the otherwise unknown things of God, often the things of the future, whether it's prophecy in the Bible or prophecy today and what it is and what it isn't. And we do well to recognize it depends upon one fundamental truth, that we worship a God who speaks. God speaks. And if you're here this morning and that comes as a, as a surprise to you, can I, I, I let you into a secret that God wants to speak to you also? That God speaks. And God speaks most perfectly through Jesus Christ, God the Son. The one who was and is and is to come. And he became flesh. And primarily the word that God speaks to us through his son Jesus Christ is the word of our desperate need of him. It's the word of his perfect work for us. And it's the word of hope for tomorrow. If you've not placed your trust in this Jesus, that's what God is saying to you today. Can I make that plain? God speaks to you this message of love. How do I know that God speaks? all the way through the Bible, really, it's all the way through the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, and God said, and God said, let there be light, and there was, yeah? You remember that bit? And God could have chosen to create, presumably, in any way he wanted to, but God chose to create by speaking, by saying things into being. He stood Without boundary, without a limitation of space or time, there was nothing but God himself, and he spoke things into being. That's really cool, isn't it? That's incredibly cool. God speaks. Hebrews chapter 1, at the beginning of that chapter, says, long, time, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That's what we're talking about in Jesus, whom he appointed the heir, the inheritor of all things, through whom also he created the world. Really interesting, isn't it? Jesus, there, means of the creation, that this creative speaking things into being. And now, the means of God speaking his purposes, his hope, his love into the world. Today, God speaks revelation chapter 2 to the angel of the church in ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks among the seven golden lampstands i don't know about you but if somebody can hold seven stars in their right hand i'm interested in what they've got to say yeah i'm interested in their words i don't know can anyone here hold seven stars in their right hand you say, oh, I need my left hand as well for that. I don't know. 
come on, I'm interested in what this God can say, what he does say. In the Bible, God speaks. In our experience, Christians, isn't it true? He speaks. And it seems to me that when we look through the Bible, when he doesn't speak or when he speaks rarely, it's nothing to do with a change in his character. It's all to do with us and our character. If you were to read at the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 3, you would find that it says there, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Why? Why is that the case? You go back a chapter into chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, and it talks about the priest, Eli, and he had two absolutely degenerate, reprobate, evil, rubbish sons. And they took advantage of their privilege and their position. We hear much about that in our world today, don't we? That people with power abusing people with less power, taking advantage, bolstering their position. These two guys were just like that. And Eli didn't do anything about it. And so sin came in. Brokenness came into the relationship that God wanted with his people. God hadn't changed. His desire to speak to his people hadn't changed. But the people had changed. You say, no, people never change. I never change. Come on, come on. This is the disconnection if we're listening to God. If we're saying God speaks and we aren't feeling it, believing it, experiencing it, do we think that the problem is at God's end? Or at our end, my little lad and I, we've, um, we've developed a game. Uh, we've developed many games. Uh, but one of them was kind of recommended to us. Um, a health visitor, I think, they said, keep a hold of the tube from inside your uh, kitchen roll or something like that. And then what you can do is hold it to your mouth. And then you put the other end to it, the, your boy's ear. And you can speak into it. And, uh, and it's lots of fun for them in developing hearing. And it's kind of cool to see, oh, yes, he can hear me. Uh, he just chooses not to hear me sometimes. Um, but we've developed this game. And we've, we've, we've enhanced the game. So now we have a tube from inside a, a wrapping paper. Um, these things are not just good for hitting each other around the head, although they're awesome for that. Um, you can get your tube. And, and we stand at distance from one another. And I say to him, I say, I love you, little man. And he giggles because uh, he hears it down the tube. And then I put the tube to his mouth, and I put it to my ear, and he says, Aah! and there's no disconnection. And I choose to interpret that wondrous noise as, I love you, Daddy, also. Isn't that right? Yeah, say a louder amen. Come on, I need this. I need this, all right. So there's no disconnection. The problem comes not with the heart of God towards you. The problem comes when we choose to go and do something else, which, of course, my little lad regularly does. The problem comes when we're not willing to listen. The problem comes when we disconnect from the idea that God speaks or the desire to hear God's voice. And yet, God speaks. He spoke even to Adam and Eve in the garden when they had initiated the cycle of sin and brokenness in God's perfect world. There they were hiding in the bushes. And God said, hey, where are you? Where are you? God even spoke into their brokenness. And God would speak to us today. God would speak to us today. And he would have it that we would understand how and why he is speaking what the Word of God is. We're going to spend a little bit of time today, next week, 
in the book of Daniel. Um, because your pastor is either brave or foolhardy. I'm not sure which it is. But we're going to be in this book of Daniel, which is full of the word of God, but it's oftentimes very confusing. We're going to read a little chunk from chapter 7. If you have a Bible with you, you can scroll to it on your phone or open up. It's going to come on the screen as well. We have free Bibles as well that we'd love to give to you. So if you don't have a Bible, head to our lovely people on the start station at the back. They'll give you one at the close of the uh, service. Chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. So you know where we are. We're in Babylon, in the empire of the Babylonians in the Middle East. They were the dominant world power. That's where we are. Here's the king, Belshazzar. It's his first year. He didn't have many more. Uh, He wasn't a good guy. But Daniel, who was a good guy, saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his beds, one way that God speaks. And he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions And behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its teeth. With its feet, rather. You don't stamp with your teeth. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I considered the horns. And behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were the eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. When the Bible talks about mouths speaking great things, it's actually not necessarily that they're awesome, incredible things. It's more about pride, okay? That's what's happening there. Verse 9, as I look, says Daniel, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days, which is a, a name for God, took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. We're going to leave it there. I imagine you want to read on. It's getting quite exciting, isn't it? You can read on for yourself, and we're going to read some more tonight, no doubt, and, and next week as we go on and on and on. We're permitted, just as this book was open, so we're permitted to open the book of God's revelation, this book of Daniel, and uh, understand what God is saying. But first up, who is God speaking to? Who does God speak to generally? 
Who does God speak to? You might say, well, from what Daniel heard or saw in his dreams, it sounds like God speaks to people who have a bit too much cheese before they go to bed. That's not what's going on here. This is not just kind of crazy dreams that we may have. God is clearly speaking. But to who? Now, I want you to consider for a little while the character of Daniel. You might know the book of Daniel. Maybe you don't. If you do know the book of Daniel, you probably know the first six chapters, which is kind of the historical context text and and some of the episodes of Daniel's life. Daniel was a a young guy from the people of God in Jerusalem. He was a, a chosen one of God. But when their nation was overcome by the Babylonians, he was taken away to this place, Babylon, to go and serve their kings. You see, the people of God had gone wrong. They'd gone away from God, not so much Daniel, But the people all around him, the people who had gone before him, and the judgment of God came that they may be punished, but that they may be restored to God. One of the consequences was that Daniel, some of his mates, people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, people like that, they were taken to go and serve this pagan, corrupt, conquering king. And they found themselves in that place, but they didn't let it knock them. Does anyone ever get knocked by circumstances? Yeah, we do, don't we? As a challenge inherent in every uh, circumstance change, in every thing that comes upon us, perhaps that we don't invite or don't want or don't think is good, there's a challenge. How will you respond? And Daniel responded really, really well. You see, Daniel didn't let everything that had happened to him dissuade him from keeping going with his lifestyle of faith. And we find in those first six chapters that Daniel would pray in morning, noon, and night, and he would face towards Jerusalem. Not because that facing in a particular direction is more holy, but it's an expression of his heart. He longed for the things of God. And for him, that meant the place of God and the people of God. That was the longing of his heart, and so he prayed. He didn't just pray, but he put his faith in God. And you read in the beginning part of the book of Daniel that he was willing to make sacrifices. And so he said when he was taken into the court of the king, I don't want the luxury foods. Don't give us all of the things that you would ordinarily give to the king's servants. Just give us the basics, the real, real basics. And yet, God honored his devotion in that means of fasting. We've talked a lot about fasting recently. God honored his devotion in this way. And Daniel and his friends who did the same way, they prospered. They were actually healthier. They were, they were better than all of those eating the luxury foods. And you might say, well, it makes a lot of sense, actually. Veggies is better than eating steak every night. But uh, my stomach disagrees with you. But Daniel was devoted. He was faithful. He made sacrifices. He trusted in his God's. He wasn't even to be dissuaded when the decree of the king went out that nobody could pray to anybody but the king, who they revered as some sort of God. But Daniel opened his windows, just as before, prayed towards Jerusalem to the one true God. Where did he find himself? Anyone remember? In a lion's den after that. And even there, although he was fearful, It's okay to be fearful when there are lions running around. We're not divvies. He trusted in God, and God preserved his life. This is the character of the man that we're talking about. He didn't have everything easy, 
Far from it, in fact. Probably didn't get everything right. We paint this thumbnail sketch as though he's more or less Jesus himself. He wasn't, but he was faithful. He stuck to what he knew was right. And so God speaks to such people. These are the kinds of people who hear God really, really well. They're the kinds of people who are being told, bow down and worship everything else in this world, but they hear the voice of God more clearly than all of that. They're the kinds of people who are having everything within them drowned out by the roaring of raging lions, but within all of that, they hear God most clearly. Come on, I know there are some of you, and you know, sickness and illness and trouble have come upon you, and it's like the sound of a raging lion. What do you hear most clearly in those moments? Do you hear the word of God? Do you hear his still, small voice? That's how God wants to speak to us. That's how God spoke to Daniel. God will speak today in the same way. We see that in these first six chapters. But as we move into the second half of Daniel, we go into the later years of his life, nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. In chapter 10, you find, you know, he's an older guy now, but he's doing that exact same fast that he did when he was a young guy. He's saying, I'm still going to do without so that I might long for God even more. Come on, come on. Were you once devoted? Were you once devoted to hearing the word of God, but that's gone somehow? Can you learn from the example of Daniel? Can we learn from the example of Daniel? This is for all the seasons of life. Maybe once in your youth you were passionate and devoted and you thought, there is nothing more that I want to hear than the word of God speaking into my life. I want to know what he thinks about today and tomorrow. I want to know what I should speak into today and tomorrow. But maybe those seasons, those days have gone. Come on. Daniel was an old man, but he was still doing the exact same thing. No wonder in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel we hear something about his character better than anything I could say about him. Daniel is the messenger of God come to him. And the messenger of God says to Daniel, you are greatly loved. That's rather nice, isn't it? You're greatly loved. Now, God loves all his children. Let's be clear about that. You can't earn more love from him You can't stop him from loving you. His love is constant. I think there's some reason why Gabriel, the messenger of God, would choose to say you are greatly loved. I think there's something in there, an affirmation of the way that Daniel was living his life, of the character that he had. What do we hope for as Christians? We find it in the Bible that when we go to be with Jesus, we might hear the voice of God say to us, come on, welcome in, welcome in, good and faithful servants, yeah? To be a Christian is to be a servant of God. There's no options in this. There's no choice in the matter. But we want to hear God say to us, good and faithful servant, don't we? Yeah? Not just me. To be a believer, to be a follower of God is to be loved. But how about if the voice of God comes to you, the message of God comes to you and says, you're greatly loved. And it doesn't puff you up. But in that moment you know 
the way that you have been living, the character of Christ that you've been modeling, your faithfulness in difficult circumstances is something that God greatly loves. This is the kind of person that God speaks to. It's the kind of person who hears the word of God. What do we find in what we've just read? Daniel is the kind of person who is attentive to the word of God. He pays attention and he values the revelation of God. I would say to you, and you know, I, I don't want to put any obstacles or raise any high bars in front of you, but I would say to you, how do you treasure your encounters with God? Is it all just in the moment? If we're not careful, we become people of emotion, but we're not then people of devotion. We can come to worship the living God, and while it feels exciting and buzzy, then we're there. But then ask us a day later, what were you singing about? What were you praying about? What were you talking about? And oh, I don't know, it just, it just felt good. That's not really what we see with Daniel. It should feel good. It should feel good to be in the presence of God. But he paid attention. In verse 1 of what we read, Daniel saw a dream, visions of his head on the, as he laid on the bed. Then he wrote down the dream and he told the sum of the matter I want to tell you that the, the, the encounter that you have with God the, the knowledge that you have of the gospel of Jesus Christ if you desire to hear the spirit speaking to you now it's not just so that you can feel good God will speak to his people today but he wants people like Daniel to write it down and tell the sum of the matter that doesn't mean that what God is going to say to you nowadays is going to carry the same weight as what Daniel heard in the Bible. The words of the Bible are for all people at all times in all circumstances. What God may speak to you is perhaps just for you or for some people, some time, in some places. It's not the same weight, but God would speak to you. And he would speak to the ears and the hearts of people who will be attentive, maybe write things down, Treasure these things up like Mary did in her heart. Tell the sum of the matter. Tell the sum of the matter. God speaks to people who want to speak his goodness in this world. And Daniel was a person who wasn't just attentive, but he, he was moved. He was not stony and you know, just disciplined. He was moved. He had a soft, compassionate heart. Daniel felt keenly the devastations of the future that God was going to reveal to him. If you were to read on, verse 15, verse 28 of chapter 7, on into chapter 8, verse 27, Daniel is so moved in that verse, chapter 8, 27, he says, I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. When we read the words of God speaking about things to come, when God speaks to our hearts and our lives, and, and we understand the brokenness of the world in which we live, are you moved by such things? People who are moved by such things are the people that God speaks to. People who, who can't just say, oh, well, that was nice, now I'm just going to get on with what I was doing before. 
It's not what Daniel does. Read it, 8.27. Daniel, he's so moved, and he says, I was appalled by it. And then I rose and got on with the king's business. He had a job to do. He had a job to do. It wasn't different to any of us. It wasn't that Daniel was in full time praying and on his knees permanently waiting for God to speak. He had to go and do the king's business. This king who had taken him into captivity, this king uh, that he didn't want to be with, didn't want to serve. Does anybody not want to be in their job? <sighs> You're not sure whether to say amen at that point, are you? Does anybody want to not be in their circumstances, in their sickness or their financial difficulty? Does anybody not want to be in your place of, of loss or or difficulty of, of various forms. Anybody not want to be there? And yet Daniel still heard from God. He was moved by God. And he still put in a shift. He still went and did his work. Hmm. Hmm. This is the kind of person that God speaks to. This is the kind of person that God speaks to. Are you soft hearted? And are you diligent? And Daniel wanted to know. He wanted to know what it meant. You're saying, Pastor Greg, a long time ago, it seems like now, you read a bit of the Bible. I would like to know what it means. And you're not telling us. Would you please get on to it? We're going to get there in a moment. Don't worry. Daniel wanted to know what it meant. Verse 19 of chapter 7, he desired to know the truth. You read on chapter 8, verse 15, he sought to understand who does God speak to, one like Daniel? Who does the prophetic word come to? Who is it spoken through, one like Daniel? We consider his consistency of character. But as we move into chapter 7 and onwards, if you were to read it, it seems like there's a, a change from the beginning, which is kind of understandable. It kind of makes sense. And then you move into the second half, and it all just gets like a big bag of crazy. That's what the Bible looks like sometimes. It's really hard to understand. These verses have been described as mysterious symbols, allusions, enigmatic phrases and numbers which have baffled interpreters through the ages and have given rise to many schemes of interpretation. Uh, it is difficult. It is baffling. I make no apology uh, for the word of God in this way. If you think that God will speak to you and it will always be very easy then I hate to give you a shock, but it, it ain't going to be so. If you're going to be a person like Daniel, sometimes God will speak to you and it will challenge you in your character or your way of life. This is how God speaks. If you want to be a person like Daniel, sometimes God will speak to you and you won't understand everything because I have news for you this morning. You are not God. Would you tell someone near you, you are not God? I think we, we, we all need to hear this. Nobody told me. Someone tell me. I'm not, okay, good, thank you. I appreciate it, Simeon. This is very helpful. A few of you are telling the same person multiple times. Just stop it now. Let it go. They know. They get the idea. You can't hope to understand everything. But briefly, this passage of Scripture, Daniel sees this vision, these four beasts and then the Ancient of Days. 
Most commentators, most theologians would look at this and they would see in these four beasts what was happening then and what was to come. And the visions of Daniel, the prophetic words of Daniel are so detailed and so spot on that people nowadays look back and they say, he can't possibly have been before these things happened. He's too on the money. He gets everything right. This can't be prophecy. They're just faking it. We remind ourselves, we're not God. But here's another truth. God is God. Yeah? You probably need to tell someone that. You don't have to do it now. Uh, but make sure you do tell somebody. God is God. He knows everything. Is this a surprise to anybody? God knows everything. Some of you are thinking about yesterday, and you think, oh, goodness, I hope he doesn't know that. Come on, come on. God knows everything. And Daniel sees this image, the first lion with eagle's wings, and the wings are plucked off, but then it's lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And here we're seeing an image of his times, of Babylon, of the king Nebuchadnezzar. Read the story. Nebuchadnezzar, this proud man, was made to be on his hands and his feet, eating the grass of the fields, and he had the mind of a beast because of his pride. And yet, he turned to God, and he's raised up onto his two feet again and given the mind of a man. Daniel's being given insight into what was. But then what was to come? The Medes and the Persians. We see this next beast coming along. And one side is higher than the other because it's lopsided. The Persians were stronger than the Medes. And uh, they're devouring uh, all things around it. Ribs in its teeth as it eats other kingdoms around it, around it. And then after comes a leopard. And we're looking ahead now to the empire of Greece and that would come and it would conquer uh, the, the Persian Empire and take over. And the four wings of a bird on its back and the four heads of dominion was given to it. You see, after Alexander the Great, the pinnacle of the Greek Empire, the whole thing shattered into four. Alexander the Great died when he was 33. He hadn't established any line of succession. He was too busy going conquering people and, and killing and the whole empire split up into these four parts. This real detail here, if we'll pay attention. And after that comes the fourth beast. And it's not like the others. Many people here would see the Roman Empire, which lasted longer, covered more ground, had more influence. And here it rises up, and it, 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 it devours everything. It has these iron teeth. It harks back to uh, even a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had earlier in the book of Daniel, speaking about these different dominions, these different kingdoms that would come. And God speaks because he knows everything. He doesn't always speak easily. But there's incredible detail in there, detail that would confound people, detail that confounds people even to this day. But here we move through all of these incredible things that Daniel is being shown of things to come. And where did we end up this morning? We ended up not with these kingdoms, and they'll entice you, and you'll be interested about them. And no doubt some of you are going to go home today, and you're going to start Googling, and you're going to open up your you know, your commentaries or whatever you're going to do. Can I advise you, go to where the Bible goes. Make the main thing the main thing, the plain thing the plain thing. And where did we end up today? Where does the whole book end up if you'll follow it through? With Jesus. 
Kingdom come, kingdoms rise, they fall, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. I don't know whether you've noticed, but the Roman Empire is not around anymore, yeah? You notice this? You're not speaking Latin this morning. might sound like I am, but I promise you I'm not. None of this is here these days, but the Ancient of Days, God himself, is Jesus present? Is he the Lord of your heart? Is he the King of the nations? Is he the one who was and is and is to come? Is your faith that Jesus will come and everything will be under his feet? This is where the Bible takes us to. Thousands of thousands serving him, 10,000 times 10,000 standing before him, a court sitting in judgment and books opened. Why does God speak the future? Why is there such a thing as the unknowable things of God made knowable? Why does God minister the prophetic? He did it in a particular way in the Old Testament. He does it in a different way in the church of Jesus today. He continues to speak. Why does God speak these things into being? Is it just to tickle our ears? Is it just so that we say, hey, I heard a good thing from God. There's going to be these beasts. And there's going to be like, you know, there's going to be leopards and iron teeth and little horns popping up. One of the horns going to have eyes and it's absolutely mental. Is this why God speaks? Seems to me that much of the church of Jesus Christ seems to think that's the purpose of prophecy. And you find so many Christians running after blood moons and blood suns and, I don't know, blood oranges are probably next, aren't they? It's absolutely daft. Is the purpose of prophecy to justify you in the way that you voted about Brexit? Is that why God speaks? So you say, oh, I know I'm right. It's in the Bible. Is this the purpose of prophecy? Is the purpose of prophecy so that Christians, and believe me, they say such daft things, say, hey, that Donald Trump, he's a bit like Cyrus the Great, isn't he? Yeah. Is this the purpose of prophecy? To make it about our preconceived ideas, to justify us in our position, to tickle our ears and tickle our fancy and sell another few books. Is this the purpose of God? speaking the unknown things of his heart and his mind into a world that desperately needs to hear God. Is this the purpose of prophecy? The Gospel of John, it finishes with some uh, incredible words. And John has been unfolding and revealing the nature of Jesus. And he does so in, a, in an astounding way. If you've never read the Gospel of John, can I encourage you? Dig in there. And he sees Jesus for who he is. So many people didn't. They didn't get it. They looked at Jesus and they saw this or that or the other. But John, uh, you know, by the means of the Spirit, by the means of this encounter with God, he realized who Jesus was and why he came. Gets to the end of, uh, of John's Gospel. And John... In chapter 21, he, he says these words. He says, uh, talking of himself, he says, uh, well, in fact, talk, talking of the disciples, he says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things and we know that his testimony is true. Again, John, much like Daniel, somebody who was attentive, paid attention, wrote things down, made them known. Do you want to hear from God? That's why. 
you know, come on. If you just want to hear from God so you feel a bit better about yourself, I'm not sure. Verse 25. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Why? 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 Why is there revelation? Why? Why are these things made plain to us? The Gospels make plain to us over and over again is so that we may know Jesus. So that we may know his saving work. There's loads that could be said. But this is said for the particular reason that God wants you to know him and to know how to speak of him. Why does God speak? So that we may know him, so that we may follow him carefully, and so that we may declare him into the world. You go right back to the beginning, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. And there it says that the secret things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever. Why? Why does God speak? And the verse continues, so that we may do. So that we may do the things that the law has, that the law speaks, that the law requires of us. We're going to speak over coming weeks about understanding the prophetic. And we're going to speak about hearing from God and speaking the prophetic into our world. I would be remiss, church, I would be remiss, Christians, if I didn't point you first to the type of person you must be, that I must be, if we want to hear God. And the type of calling we must take seriously if we want to hear from God. We're going to come around this table of remembrance, and perhaps those who are leading us in worship and in service would come as well. This table affords us an opportunity. We talked about remembrance. This table affords us an opportunity to remember what ought to be remembered. Not our faults and our failings, but the saving work of Jesus Christ. And this table speaks to us of what has been. That Jesus Christ the righteous died once for all. But as we come around this table, I would invite you to consider carefully what has been the work of Jesus Christ. Are you treasuring this work? Do you even know what it means? If you don't, come, come grab me and we'll talk about it. I'm happy to talk. Not just to consider what has been, to consider what is today. What is today? If you unfold the character of Daniel, the character of John writing his gospel, you unfold the character of the people who hear from God. Come on, how do our characters measure up? Now, I don't say such a, a comparison to, to cause you to despair or to be somehow condemned or pushed away. Rather, I say, come on, where's our aspiration? God would speak today. 
The same God who spoke light into being when there was none. The same God that spoke perfectly through his son, Jesus Christ. God would speak today. And I would say to you as we come around this table, let's consider our character. Are we attentive people? Are we soft-hearted? Are we compassionate? Do we want to understand? Do we seek the word of God? As we consider the past under Jesus' blood, the present calling on character, and the future hope of glory. Come on, let's consider these things. We consider that God has the whole world in his hands. We sang that when we were kids, didn't we, perhaps? Or people of a certain vintage did, at least. Probably don't sing it anymore. He's got the whole world in his hands. It's true. Kingdoms rise and fall and our attention is grabbed by them, isn't it? Come on, you're still thinking about that leopard, aren't you? Tell the truth. Come on. We are called towards the ancient of days. Tonight, I think we're going to hear about the Son of Man as well. That's a good thing too. We are called forward. We're called to the future. We'll come a day when we don't take bread and we don't take wine anymore. So we'll be in the presence of Jesus. But now, we take and we eat and we take and we drink and we thank God for the yesterday when Christ was crucified upon a cross in our place for our sake. We thank God for today, the day that calls us to be more like Christ challenges our character, our desire to hear the word of God. But come on, come on. Do we look forward? Do we look forward? God is looking forward. Hey, the Spirit is saying, Jesus, come. The Bible says that there comes a time, there comes a day when not only the Spirit, but the church, the bride of Jesus says, come, eagerly longing for his coming. Come on, come on, come on. When is that day? When is that day that we're so eagerly longing for Jesus that everything is future-focused, that everything is saying, I am longing for the day of your coming, Christ Jesus. Or would you speak to me wisdom of your coming? Would you speak to me, not so that my ears can be tickled or so I can be reinforced in my sense of self. Rather, would you speak to me so that I might proclaim your coming into a, a weary world? Oh, God. And this is what this table speaks of a day long gone but still very present his sacrifice is real of a day today Christ calls you up and calls you on and calls you further and of all of our tomorrows until that day when he comes hey should we worship Jesus together should we worship Jesus together come on would you start to Praise him and just long for his coming. Just long for